If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Lexicon Valley is brought to you by Blue Apron. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers right to your door everything you need to create a home-cooked meal. Farm-fresh ingredients are perfectly portioned and come with an easy-to-follow recipe card, so you can create a delicious dinner in 40 minutes or less. Visit blueapron.com slash lexicon to get your first two meals free. And by Open Account, a podcast that gets personal about making, losing, and living with money. Created by Umpqua Bank and hosted by Sujin Pak, download and subscribe to Open Account wherever you get your podcasts. From Washington, D.C., this is Lexicon Valley, a podcast about language. I'm Bob Garfield with Mike Volo, and today, episode number 85, a new installment of Linguophile, wherein we discuss a mystery word or phrase with lexicographer Ben Zimmer. Hey, Mikey. Hey, Bobby. How you doing, buddy? Splendid, thank you. And your own self? I'm great. I'm great. Hello, Ben. How are you? And as always, what is our clue? Hey, I'm here feeling pretty good, and I've got a very interesting word for you guys. Hold it. We'll be the judges of that. Okay. I can safely call this unusual. In fact, based on where you guys grew up, you may not even know of this word. So this is uh, similar to WASIC, which neither of us had ever heard of because it's a Britishism. Yeah, we might have a WASIC situation on our hands here. So this is at least native to the United States, though, you're saying? Well, used in the U.S. and some parts of the U.S. We'll talk about how native it might be. Okay. It's a three-syllable word for a very simple game. I can tell you that the first and third syllables rhyme. I can also tell you it sounds a little French. And now uh, this game, this very simple game, has many names. And you may know it under another name. Serious aficionados of the game call it by the initials RPS. RPS. Yes. Abbreviation for the most common name of this game. Is it a knife game? Is it a marbles game? Is it a board game? You don't need any props at all. You don't need any... uh... Ah, so it could be like charades or some such. Mm Mm-hmm. All you need is your hands. RPS? All you need is one hand. 
Wait, what are we talking about here? Well, you know, we should be able actually to, to deduce this because there's a minimum number of vowels and they rhyme. Well, tr- work on the more common name of RPS first and then uh, we'll get to the more unusual name after that. Yeah, the RPS doesn't necessarily stand for the Frenchy version that we're supposed no, to guess. No, no. The, the more common name, which you guys probably know, is three words. And the first word starts with R, the second word starts with P, and the third word starts with S. Right. Uh, rotund peregrination syphilis. I, I know that. Wait, you can play that with only one hand? <laughs> <laughs> Thumb war? You're getting a little closer. Thumb wrestling is almost in the ballpark. Rock, oh, it's rock, paper, scissors. Oh, rock, paper, scissors. There you go. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Do you know any other name for that game, rock, paper, scissors? I don't think yes, I do. Uh, rotund peregrination syphilis. <laughs> Again, I play that with both hands and both feet. <laughs> no, I don't. I only know it in its purest form. Well, you guys grew up in the northeast mid-Atlantic regions, you know, on the east coast. So the word we're looking for, as far as I know, never really gained traction on the east coast. But folks on the west coast, especially northern California... Bay Area will be familiar with another term for it. I'm afraid I'm just going to have to tell you guys what it is. Yeah. Uh, like Wazek, we'll just be here all day if we, <laughs> if we keep guessing at it. Okay, so here it is. Ready? Rochambeau. No kidding. It does ring a bell. It does ring a, a vague, distant bell. Well, the personage. Uh, who the hell is Rochambeau? Is he a general? Was he uh, a member of uh, I think you're thinking King of somebody Louis' else. court? No, no, no. He's got the right idea in terms of the historical figure named Rochambeau, figured in the American Revolution, actually. When uh, Lafayette sent for troops from France, the troops were under the command of Comte de Rochambeau. And he was instrumental, actually, in um, the victory at Yorktown when American and French forces defeated the British. Decided famously over the game of rock, paper, and scissors. Well, (laughs) there are some crazy stories about this guy that are not too far from that, actually. (laughs) So what does Mr. Rochambeau have to do with this game that I know as just a way to kind of settle scores, decide something, right? Best two out of three, rock, paper, scissors. Right, yeah. Well, so at least with, with a name like rock, paper, scissors, or RPS to its fans, there's a world RPS society. There's a whole global organization devoted to rock, paper, scissors, which grew out of the British organization, the Paper, Scissors, Stone Club. I don't understand how far you could take this game. It's like tic-tac-toe. There's not really a lot of places you can go with it. You just get together with the other four members worldwide and play rock, paper, scissors. What what do they do? It's not quite like tic-tac-toe. I'm sorry, because tic-tac-toe, if you have two people who know how to play, the outcome is predetermined. With rock, paper, scissors, the outcome is always undetermined. But it's never interesting. Well, it's never interesting if you had two computers playing against each other. But we're human, and so we're not entirely random in the way that we throw out rock, paper, scissors. So it's a psychological game trying to sort of detect the patterns of your opponent or lack of patterns (laughs) in order to guess what your opponent is going to throw out and then how you can throw out a sign, a gesture that will beat that. It's uh, like poker in that respect. You've got to get into the head of your opponent. Exactly, exactly. 
Okay, let's take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment. Lexicon Valley is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with the best ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their entire community of suppliers, everything from family-run farms to fisheries to ranches. All of their ingredients from pasta to their fish, like wild-caught Alaskan salmon, to their fruits and vegetables, all of it is very carefully sourced. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients so that you can make delicious home-cooked meals. And new recipes are created each week by Blue Apron's culinary team, and they are not repeated within a year. Also, there's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Check out this week's menu and get your first two meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash lexicon. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash lexicon. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So, okay, back to Mr. Rochambeau. Yeah, Mr. Rochambeau. Somehow the namesake of this game. Well, He is and he isn't, because the most common spelling of this word is actually spelled R-O-S-H-A-M-B-O. Now, the French fellow spelled his name R-O-C-H-A-M-B-E-A-U. And so, the most common spelling matches the pronunciation of that name, but there seems to be, you know, possibly... Another story here. I was reading somewhere that the residents of the Bay Area, as a group, are semi-literate American Revolution (laughs) buffs. You know, that could be an explanation. Well, how much do kids learn about the American Revolution these days, really? Is Rochambeau a, a name that they would know? Well, they would know if they're fans of the musical Hamilton. He comes up in a couple of numbers. Again, Lafayette is uh, trying to get guns and ships from France. We rendezvous with Rochambeau, consolidate their gifts. We can end this war in Yorktown, cut them off at sea, but... And then later on at Yorktown, when they all rendezvous there, Hamilton is leading a battalion, and he tells them, the code word is Rochambeau. The code word is Rochambeau. Take me, Rochambeau. You have your orders now, go and go. So the American experiment begins with my friends all scattered to the winds. Lawrence is in South Carolina. Redefine and bravery will never be free until we end. And that's based on historical truth there. The watchword at the Battle of Yorktown really was Rochambeau. He, you know, was the sort of the French leader there, and they used his name as a kind of a code word. One American soldier who fought there and was sort of reflecting on the Battle of Yorktown said it was a good watchword. It sounded when pronounced quick. Like, rush on, boys. And all of this predates the game, I'm assuming. Well, it depends if you're going by legend or, <laughs> or, or by the hard evidence. facts of history. Yes. Okay. Now, if you go by what the legends say, Rochambeau, the French general, really did have a hand in introducing that game. Aha. Uh-huh. I see what you did there. A hand in introducing mm-hmm, that game. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a few different versions of the Rochambeau story. You know, if you look in these books about rock, paper, scissors, they will all tell some version of the story. And one of them, the legend is that Rochambeau joins up with the Continental Army in the Revolution after losing his home in France in a game of rock, paper, scissors. Uh, (laughs) Seems a little (laughs) far-fetched. (laughs) 
<laughs> a little. He said, <laughs> well, you know, I guess it could be a gambling game, right? What did he stand to gain in that bet? Uh, maybe somebody else's house. I don't know. <laughs> so that's one story that is told in the Rock, Paper, Scissors community. He had to leave his home in France because of a bad throw of scissors when <laughs> he should have thrown paper. Another story involving Rochambeau has to do with the actual Battle of Yorktown. You've got Washington representing the Continental Army and the American troops. You've got Lord Cornwallis on the British side. And you have Comte de Rochambeau for the French troops. And they're all in the tent where Cornwallis has to sign the British surrender. And according to this story, they played a little game of rock, paper, scissors to see who would leave the tent first. And Rochambeau won that, and they called the game Rochambeau in his honor. Equally far-fetched story, I would say. What was the purpose of leaving the tent first? I have no idea. I mean, maybe uh, you have three big egos and, you know, yeah, no one wants to give in. All of those protocols or... are freighted with meaning. I mean, we nearly didn't end World War II because of the dispute over the stage management of the surrender. So these things are real. You didn't have Churchill, Stalin, and FDR sitting there playing rock, paper, scissors, I'm pretty sure. In Yalta? In Yalta. <laughs> there you go. Did you ever play rock, paper, Yalta? <laughs> Holy <laughs> mackerel. There's um, acid involved. <laughs> you know, there's some interesting variants, now that you mention it, of rock, paper, scissors, where you can add some extra weapons. There's one that ex expands to uh, five which is rock, paper, scissors, Spock, lizard. <laughs> Spock you do with the Vulcan salute, and lizard you make a little sort of puppet mouth. And Spock smashes scissors, vaporizes rock, but Spock is poisoned by lizard. It's a lot of rules to keep track of. Oh, it's very simple. Scissors cuts paper, paper covers rock. Rock crushes lizard, lizard poisons Spock. Spock smashes scissors, scissors decapitates lizard. Lizard eats paper, paper disproves Spock. Spock vaporizes rock, and as it always has, rock crushes scissors. <laughs> So, Rochambeau, as a name for this game, unfortunately, there's no historical evidence of it going back to revolutionary times. The earliest example so far that's been found to call this game Rochambeau comes from 1936. It's this book called the Handbook for Recreation Leaders, published in Oakland, California. It talks about this game, and interestingly, though, it spells it R-O hyphen C-H-A-M hyphen B-E-A-U, Rochambeau. In the first attested form, it's spelled like that, like the French name. Okay, so it's easy to imagine that the spelling would get bastardized over time or more anglicized. The E-A-U letter combination is very French, and to turn that into an O would seem only natural in English. That's possible, or perhaps it worked the other way. Perhaps it was something else that got sort of Frenchified by people who might have a familiarity with this name, Rochambeau. Okay, Ben, as Bob would say, you're holding out on us. What exactly <laughs> is going on with Rochambeau in the 1930s? Okay, well, the story is still not exactly clear, but it looks like that French general really had nothing to do with it. Again, like, you know, we, this term starts showing up naming the game well over a century after the guy died. We would expect something, some clue, perhaps, that tied him to the game that would come earlier than 1936 if he really was the source of it. 
But this game has been known under other names, not just rock, paper, scissors, but other names, especially in East Asia, where the game actually originated. In China and Japan, this game has been played for centuries. So there are various games involving these sort of gestures going back apparently to the Han Dynasty, so a couple a thousand years ago. But the first time that it gets mentioned in Chinese sources is around 1600. The Chinese game then gets adopted in Japan. The Japanese game tends to go under the name Jan Ken Pon, or some variation of that. Ah, I think I see where you're headed with this. By the way, I just want to remain on record. The psychological component notwithstanding, I just think it's very generous to refer to this as a game. <laughs> well, maybe if you played an expert in RPS, you would appreciate that, you know, the psychological component a little more. But they'd have to play me multiple times in order to get to yes. know my patterns, right? For sure, for sure. And that I think that's what happens in these tournaments and so forth, is you're, you're playing multiple times and sort of racking up your score one way or the other. We're most familiar with it as just being a one-shot deal, either to break a tie or to settle some petty dispute. But the serious RPSers, I think, are going, you know, over long periods of time playing this. And I think in East Asia, it may have originated as, again, something that you would do more than once. Okay, let's take another quick break. Lexicon Valley is also brought to you this week by Open Account. How much money do you make? How big is your savings account? These are some of the most personal and maybe uncomfortable questions that someone can ask you. But where does that discomfort come from? On Open Account, a podcast created by Umqua Bank, host Sujin Pak and her guests get open and honest about making, losing, and living with money. You'll hear an NBA star talk about his first professional paycheck, a Daily Show producer recall his parents' penny-pinching, and a husband and wife discuss the role that marriage plays in managing their small businesses. And that's just the first three episodes. These conversations wind up being about way more than dollars. They're about culture, power, class, and the very complex emotions that drive our financial decisions. Open Account is available wherever you get your podcasts, so download, subscribe, and get a little more comfortable with your money. Okay, so the Japanese call this game what exactly? John Ken Pon. John Ken Pon. It gets called John Ken for short, which uh, apparently literally means two fists. And then that final syllable, that pon, which sometimes also appears as po or poi, is just sort of an extra syllable that's put on there. And in the same way, if you can imagine, you know, if you say rock, paper, scissors, shoot, that's the way I was taught when I, when I was playing it as a kid. So in the, in the Japanese version, those words, jan, ken, pon, are the three words that you use, you know, as you're sort of shaking your fist and before you throw out your gesture. So... We have variant forms of John Ken Pon showing up in Japanese. And, you know, sometimes it actually started with an R sound. Sometimes it had sort of a ch in the middle, and sometimes it had a bow at the end. There was a lot of fluidity, I guess, in the naming of this thing, both in uh, East Asia and elsewhere. Aha, aha, aha. And let's see. What's on the other side of the Pacific Ocean from East Asia, where there's a great deal of immigration in the 19th century. Hmm. Hmm. San Francisco, the Bay Area, California. 
Japan was pretty closed off from the world for a good long while there. But by the late 19th, early 20th century, Japanese are coming into contact with the West quite a lot more, with the U.S. and with Europe. And so this game actually spread from its Japanese version. Apparently, it looks like it hit Europe first in the early 20th century. There are references to it in the British press in the 1920s. They are actually using that name, John Kenpon, or, or again, they're coming up with other names then. But then, yeah, it doesn't seem to hit the U.S. until the 30s. And we start seeing this other name, Rochambeau, come out just, you know, specifically in the Bay Area around that time, where, yes, we know that there was probably a, a lot of interaction with Japanese and other East Asian immigrants who were, you know, starting to come across the Pacific at that point. People may know it beyond the Bay Area now. Um, it shows up every once in a while. It even showed up in an episode of uh, South Park, where Cartman uh, gave a rather different definition for Rochambeau. Well, I guess we'll have to Rochambeau for it. What do you mean? Well, first I kick you in the nuts as hard as I can, then you kick me in the nuts as hard as you can, and we keep going back and forth until somebody falls. The last one standing gets the arrowhead. Oh, my well, I suppose if I must. Okay, ready? I'll go first. <laughs> well, I, I guess you win. <laughs> I don't care. You can have this stupid arrowhead. I don't want it. That's actually an update on a Buddy Hackett joke that I heard him tell on The Tonight Show in about 1966 involving a dispute between uh, two neighbors with a fence and a duck. The farmer says, I go first, and he hauls off. Whack! And the guy goes, ha-ha! Ha-ha! Whoa! About half hour has passed, and he says to the farmer, well, well, I guess it's my turn. And the farmer says, oh, you could have the duck. <laughs> <laughs> well, the nice thing about that South Park use of it was that it shows you can use it as a verb. You can say, I'll Rochambeau you for it, you know. It's a little harder to say, I'll rock, paper, scissors you for it, although I'm sure people do use that as a verb as well. But uh, Rochambeau just sort of trips off the tongue. It's easy to use as a verb, and I like it. I, even though I didn't you know, grow up with it, I kind of like that as a name for the game. Can you guys remember the last time that you actually had a game of rock, paper, scissors with somebody, or that somebody attempted to initiate one with you? Well, I have a nine-year-old son, so I'm playing it pretty frequently. Oh, I see. Do you guys play competitively? <laughs> By the way, as to your uh, assertion that you can't imagine it being a game... You have to remember what could capture your imagination and obsess you when you were nine, Mike. Now, I understand you're a bit of an outlier as the experience of children goes. You were probably... Bob, let's be clear. At nine, I was reading Being and Nothingness and obsessing about death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was playing Frozen Statues. But, you know, if you say to a kid who's under eight, I found an old shoe in the street, I won it, I two it, I three it, I four it, you know, the mm -hmm. responsive reading game, 
that doesn't end with one episode. You do it over <laughs> and over and over. Same with knock-knock jokes. And rock, paper, scissors, the same. It can keep a 10-year-old occupied for hours. Why? Because they are lesser beings. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. You know, what I like to imagine is the 9- or 10-year-old kids who are playing it in Oakland or San Francisco in the 1930s. So this game has been introduced. Um, we can guess that it's coming via Japanese immigration or other East Asian immigration. It may have had this unusual name like John Ken Pone, which would have been a little tricky for a uh, 10-year-old to pick up on. But what are they learning in the classroom? At least back then in the 1930s, they were learning a lot about the American Revolution. They would have heard that name, Rochambeau, from their classes in American history. And so it's quite plausible, I think, that they hear some version of the Japanese name, and then the kids think, oh, Rochambeau is sort of like that, and it has those three syllables that they need for, you know, throwing their fists, and so they say Rochambeau rather than John Ken Po or some version of that. You're swinging for the fences there, etymologically, Ben. Do you have any, do you have any actual data to suggest that that was the provenance of... Rochambeau? I'm calling this an, an educated guess because we're still looking for that evidence. Um, you know, we need to uh, seek out what exactly was happening there in the Bay Area in the 1930s. Again, since a lot of this involved kids, much of it was probably not written down, but just uh, was passed around orally. But I think there's still a possibility for uh, some more illumination, um, which is always good for these murky etymologies. But this feels like the likeliest explanation, where Rochambeau, the French general's name ends up becoming a folk etymology. It makes perfect sense to me. For our listeners, if you would like to write in with other suggestions of things that we can do with one hand, please do at lexiconvalley at slate.com. <laughs> I <That's>... absolutely insist <laughs> that you rephrase your marketing orders. I just, I'm sorry, Mike, I have to insist. Lexiconvalley at slate.com. Please follow us on Twitter at lexiconvalley and subscribe to our feed in the iTunes store. You can read more about Rochambeau in Ben's Word Roots column on vocabulary.com, where he is the executive editor. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of the Panoply Network. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Scissors. Rock. <laughs> I think there may have been some skullduggery afoot there, but Ben, I'm pretty sure you cheated, but you are the uh, you are the linguophile rock paper scissors grand champion. You'll be receiving a certificate in the mail. Yeah. All right, boys, we done here? Yeah, I think we're done. Later, Gator. It's rock paper scissors as to weather. I will get old for you at all It's hand against hand and both hands are mine It's standing